Welcome to Ability Stories Podcast, where we discuss the successes, challenges, and stories of people with disabilities. I'm your host, Tara Briggs. To contact me, please send an email to abilitystories at gmail.com. So you worked at Weber State for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. What were you doing there? Oh, I was the uh, I, I was the manager of the college radio station. That's how I paid my tuition. But then my senior year and after that, I did. Um, I worked at the services for students with disabilities, and assisted in a counseling role, uh, other students with disabilities. And then I also helped out in the career center with the cooperative education programs, individuals who are juniors and seniors and want to do an actual paid job experience in their major area or an unpaid job experience, I would set those experiences up with the employer so they had them to go to. And that's what I, that's what I did at Weber State. Then do you want me to talk a little bit about what I did after Weber State? Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you, okay. you left. Well, so I, 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 uh, I get the, I went to the U and then I um, could see eventually that I wasn't fitting into the plans, the administrative plans at Weber State. So I resigned from Weber State and- you, Was that scary? Yeah, very, very. Because- You know, I remember, I remember sitting down with my rehab counselor and said, I gotta find another job. And he said to me, well, the best I can do for you, Bill, is to give you a bus pass and have you go out knocking on doors. And it just seemed to me that he ought to be able to do a little bit better than that. I mean, he's a rehab counselor working for the state. And I, I hope that as director of the division that we gave people better service and to tell them you could go, I'll give you a bus pass and you can go beat on doors. Um, I hope we did that. Anyway, uh, after that, I was scared and I went out and I, because I couldn't get another job. So you were beating on doors. And yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. Tell me about, so did you do some interviews? Oh, yeah. What were they yeah. like? Well, you could tell when they weren't going to hire you right from the very start. And when it was never their plan to hire you, you could tell that right from the very beginning. I had some that led you to think that they would consider you, but then those situations usually never worked out. I finally... Um, what, what kind of stuff were you interviewing for? Oh, I interviewed for uh, radio broadcasting jobs, for journalism positions with newspapers. I interviewed for, um, you know, service kinds of jobs. I interviewed for a myriad of jobs, anything that come along. I ended up working for a year for an educational supply company, and part of it was to sell parents by knocking on doors educational materials. The other part of it was you had a an area of schools assigned to you and to go sell the schools and materials. And I did okay at that, but I could soon see that I was working 12 and 14 hour days and it really wasn't paying me a lot. So that was very difficult. So then I ended up applying for, I think I told you earlier, 283 jobs. So as you're doing, as you're doing these interviews, and I, I've talked to other people with disabilities, you, you walk in the door um, and it's like, you just you know from the beginning that you're just flat out being discriminated against, right? Um, and it's based on your disability, you know. If you right. don't have it, how 
How did you, how did you deal with that emotionally? Well, it's hard because you get very frustrated and you get very angry at times. And you walk away from many of those job interviews or from many of those, many of those job selection processes and say to yourself, I don't know how much longer I can do this. Uh, but you always re regain your strength and come back for more. You would always do that after a good night's sleep or after you think about it for a couple of days. Why? You'd always come back for more because you knew that deep down inside, and this is inherent, I think, in a lot of people, you know that you want to be successful and you're willing to pay the price, whatever that takes to make that happen. And I think, I think you're that kind of person, Tara. That's why you're going to be very successful at these pod, podcasts. <laughs> and this is going to be a very successful thing. Because we, you know, and then I had some great friends that would encourage me and say, sure, you can do it. And I think we gain great strength from others throughout our life. I know I did. There are individuals that were important to me. Um, I had a wrestling coach once, Norman Tuttle, who was very important to me and um, just made me feel like I could win about ever, any wrestling match that was out there and that I could, su could succeed in just about anything. And he was good at making kids feel that way. So, um, you know, he, he was a great man. So there are people like Norman that we gain strength from. There are people in our church activities and, and in our family activities, we, we, in our communities, we gain strength from other individuals. They're, they're very helpful to us. And uh, I, I have had a lot of those people in my life who encouraged me to go on. And one, one of those people was a friend of yours. You, you knocked on his door trying to sell him. Right. I was out selling my educational materials. I knocked on his door. He asked me in. I gave him the spiel. He says, no, I'm not interested. He says, I don't want to buy your stupid books. I said, well, gee, that's <laughs> oh rude. He Sorry. said, well, well let, me, let me talk to you a minute. He says, well, you're a great guy. He says, but I don't really think you're sold on what you're sell trying to sell to me. He says, I don't think you like what you're doing very well. Well, I thanked him and went on my way, but I, I thought about that, and he was exactly right. So then I applied, started applying for jobs, and that resulted in the 283. Mm. But I finally, finally, someone called me from the division and said, you know, we got an opening down here as a rehab counselor, why don't you apply? And so I applied, thinking that I didn't have a chance, but that I needed to get started in the state job process somehow. And so I interviewed and gained the job as a rehab counselor, and that was in 1983, and the rest is history. So was your own, um, you know, working with the rehab counselor and them saying, well, go knock on doors, good luck, was that a real motivator for you to try and help people a little more than you'd been helped? A real motivator. A real motivator because the division hadn't offered, I won't say to everybody, but to a lot of people, they hadn't offered real quality service over the years. And, you know, as we went about it and through the years, as I look back, there were some very weak spots still. But I just hope that in the future that those will be corrected and that they'll, you know, move on and, and be helping blind people to gain the, the needed training and the necessary competitive jobs with good benefits. So is it really, like, tell me about what you, what you did 
as a rehab counselor and who you helped? In those days, we did it all, Tara. We, we pretty much, we did the support and employment as rehab counselors. We assisted in the development of job opportunities. We, we did it all. And I just remember that we had some um, really unique placement kinds of things. I remember early on, I developed a good relationship with the human resource director at the VA Medical Center. And he assisted me in developing many job opportunities for blind people. He was very helpful. Um, I also remember that we had several unique placement opportunities for people. We had one gentleman who's still in the business, works for Detroit Diesel in Salt Lake. But boy, what a determined individual he is and was back then. And I remember he wanted to enter the automotive transmission program at the community college. And so together we had to convince the automotive transmission department chair to allow him to do that. And that was quite a sales job that we had to do. He finally was accepted, entered the program, completed it successfully. And I swear to this day, the guy can fix just about anything if he's given the time um, to do it. He can fix just about anything. So how did you convince him? I mean, how did you convince this guy that's, I'm assuming, the director? Yeah, I, yeah. I convinced him. I, I had to keep reassuring the gentleman that the blind person who was going to enter his program would not require any more of his time. He mm -hmm. was having a real hard time with that. The amazing thing that happened is after a while, the teachers really grew to love this guy and uh, they loved working with him and exploring things together and finding solutions to problems and those kind of things. So he became a real um, hit in the whole program at the, the automotive transmission program at the community college. I think that's how we finally convinced him that it truly was possible. They knew by law that they had to quit, quit, quit turning him down, one, and two, he finally convinced him that he could just do anything that any other student could do in the program. Yeah. Did you have, did you have failures? In the rehab work? Yeah. Oh, you always have failures, sure. You're taking a chance on, on, on humans, so you're always going to have failures, regardless of how good you are and wherever you work. Um, I think we created a lot of unique employment opportunities for people, but we also had our share of, of failure, failures. As you well know, as you well know, there are a lot of blind people walking around with college degrees who aren't working. And I think that's a very disappointing thing. And I hope that in the future, colleges and administrators in post-secondary education will offer blind people, all people with disabilities, and all students for that matter, the opportunity to become involved with employers and with career placement people, with career counselors, as those individuals go through their college experience. I think it's a real mistake if we don't allow students to know and to plan for the fact that someday they're going to have to be employed and make a living. And we don't do enough of that. And I bet if you went around to college campuses and asked how many sophomores, juniors, and seniors are involved with the career placement office on campus, you wouldn't find very many. Yeah, yeah. There. I, I don't mean to be negative about that. I just think it's, it's really important that we involve more college students with the career placement centers. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, so you, you became director. Tell me about what that path was like. Um, it was interesting that when I became director, gosh, we... Uh, Why did you want to become director? I knew... I knew within me that I could do that job and that I could be successful and that I could make necessary changes in the division. And that was somewhat the case. Mm. Uh, it wasn't totally the case, but it was somewhat the case. Um, you have administrators at the top that always say no because of budget restrictions or whatever the reasons oh, that I, certain I, things aren't possible. I remember when, you know, because I worked, for you and i remember when we wanted to take all the students to lagoon under blindfold and the the people above you put the kibosh on that activity and i was just like you go to lagoon under blindfold you go to an amusement park without sight and you navigate and you find the lines for the different rides and you find the food you want to eat and you go and find the restroom and then tell me that you haven't learned something I remember that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff happened. Yeah, it certainly did. Yeah. But but what what um what do you what do you think what were you able to accomplish? What did you I think gaining uh legislative funding for a new facility. Uh the old facility was really dilapidated. The boiler didn't work most of the time. Um the roof leaked. Uh, we really didn't look good in that facility. It wasn't a professional-looking kind of facility. The surroundings just weren't very professional-looking. So we gained funding for the new building. And I do think that it's a very quality facility. I think that that's indicated by the number of other state programs that now come and meet there, state and county programs that come and meet there and use the facility. I, I just think it's a quality place for the blind and I hope that the, the State Library for the Blind, the division, continue to be able to utilize that facility. So that's one thing we accomplished. I think we, um, we established, uh, and much of the credit of this can go to you but, uh, and, and other individuals as well, but we established a really quality training program that helped individuals entering that program move toward quality objectives and quality goals, quality outcomes. And I think that was really important to do. I think that it became more than a day treatment program where individuals just come and used up their time for four to six months. It, it became more than that. And I think that, that that was a good thing as well. Those are a couple of the changes. We tried always to develop good communication between staff. Um, in state divisions, you can use, build walls between programs pretty easily, and sometimes those walls don't come down as easily as, as they were constructed. So you always work to establish better communication among the people, better communication between the divisions in working with an individual. So the, the individual learns that there's a cooperative relationship with staff and so that they're getting the, the best service and best programs possible. I remember the cross-training we did. That was, that was really cool. Oh, uh, yeah, it was a really good thing. You, you take people that had applied for the job, and they didn't really know anything about blindness, and they, six weeks they learned how to adapt. You know, they wore a blindfold and learned how to adapt and learned how to cook without sight and get around without sight. And I, I think it, 
I think there were some staff members that that really opened up their views of people who are blind. I, I think you're that. absolutely correct. And I think if we don't believe it, um, that it can happen, how do we cause other, other blind people to believe that? We have to believe it first. We have to believe that you can travel independently. We have to believe that we can get places on our own. We have to believe that, you know, we can raise cows or whatever the case may be. <laughs> right. Um, any regrets? Did you have any regrets? I mean, if you're willing to share, I... I wish, um, I wish I would have stayed more involved with um, the alumni organizations at the colleges and universities I went to. Mm. I think there's a lot of value and enjoyment in that, but I just didn't have the time. So I wish I would have done that. Um, well, I mean, I, I mean, as director, did you, looking back on your time as director, I know that it's kind of a personal question, so you don't have to answer. We can, no, no. We can edit this part out. It, it, it's, no, it's good. I'll answer that. I wish that, um, that in the time that I was director, I would have been more assertive in developing a model that really moved people into competitive employment. Um, I think we get locked into old ways of doing things and that we really don't um, change things enough or soon enough to, to bring that about. And I wish that I would have moved more quickly to bring people into a model of, of competitive kinds of employment. Talk about some of the people that you met. I mean, you know, obviously not mentioning names, but I don't know. Were there any any people that stand out to you that just I don't know made the job worth it, or any people that stand out to you that were just I don't know supervisors who were totally cooperative, um, who would argue points with you, who would discuss points with you, but in the end would say. Yes, you're right. You're correct. Now go do it. Make it happen. Mm -hmm. I love the working for those kind of people. What about what about people that you serve? Just like you know, clients of the division. Um, Anybody that? Uh, yeah. I mean, you, men you mentioned the auto the auto guy. Right, right. Was an auto mechanic. There were there were just a, many great people who really believed in themselves and believed in blind people, and. Uh, those were those were great people and have been great role models to others over the years. I recall one gentleman who set up his own public speaking business and uh, he made presentations to industry, to school kids, uh, did a great deal of public speaking and was very successful. And he was successful because he really believes that blind people can do it and make it happen. And, and, and I you, think he was very successful. You helped as a, a result. You helped a blind guy start his own hardware store. Yeah, yeah. He's still down there. That was, yeah, in Southern that was, Utah running that was a great, uh, great thing. And he's a great man, and he does well in the hardware business. And I, you know, he had some struggles through the um, economic downturn, but he continued to keep his head above water and keep the business going. And I think that he just so d does that so well, you know. Any, any, any group, anybody that was just, I don't know, that you weren't able to help or just. Um, anybody. Well, yeah, the, that kind of stand out. Well, there are always those people who you know could do it if they learn to 
um, get over certain obstacles that they create in their lives. Like one that was always hard for me, and I realize that some people have medical reasons for this and, and those kind of things, but some don't. And those that would were, weren't able to get up in the morning. I just always had a real difficult time with that. That would show up for work or training or programs two or three hours late on mm -hmm. a consistent basis. That was just very difficult me for me to deal with because I know you've always been taught and I've always been taught, we bought into it, that you get up and you go in the morning. And so I always had trouble who, with people who couldn't do that on a consistent basis. Yeah, yeah, sure. I just think basic things are so important. And I, I swear, young people looking for jobs, if I could get them to sit down with me for a day, there's a lot of things I could teach them. Um, you know, show up. Uh, people d disturbed me who, who wouldn't put these things into practice. When you're applying for a job, show up with your information filled out correctly and neatly and make certain that it makes sense. Um, uh, have a well-prepared resume that you hand out for the people doing the interview. Um, make sure that you know something about the business before you go in for the interview. I mean, <clears throat> are they involved in agriculture? Are they involved in, um, in uh, you know, preparing maps of certain areas? What is it, is it that they exactly do in those businesses? But I believe, and I told the kids at the, at the schools this, I tell them this, but if, if they show up well prepared, they're gonna have great success. Because I, I was always amazed at the people who would come to the division for a job interview and wouldn't have a clue as to what we did at the division. Oh, wow. They didn't have uh, the, the foggiest idea. And, and their, their response was usually, well, I can learn. I can learn to work with blind people. I'm sure I can work with anybody. I can learn to work with blind people. Well, it, it would have been real nice if you would have been aware and learned some things about what it takes to work with blind people before you showed up with the job for the job interview. I remember um, the state capitol mm -hmm. and being up at the state capitol. Great place, the state capitol. And I remember you always seemed a little tired <laughs> during the state legislative session. <laughs> Talk about that. Talk about when it was maybe rewarding and when it was just a pain in the tail. Oh, I was a little <laughs> tired, but I always knew when I had to rise to the occasion. And oh, you always did. Just I, you'd be up, you'd be out late, and yeah. <laughs> I remember we gained the funding for the building at twelve thirty on a Saturday morning, so it was a half hour after midnight. Mm. We had lived through all day Friday up there talking to everybody about we really need this funding for this facility. What are you going to do for us? And um, finally, at twelve thirty, a guy named uh, Representative Grant Proxman from the Ogden area, stood up before that committee and said, I'm not going to leave here till we get some facility money approved for the blind folks. Mm. And, uh, and uh, that resulted in the new building. And Jerry Adair, who was a longtime supporter, was there with us till 1230 in the morning. And Tara, my heart just goes out to guys like Jerry Adair and Joe Hall and um, John Arrington, who had the ability to reach across the aisle and put partisan politics aside to benefit blind people. 
And, uh, you know, I love those guys. I always will. Yeah. Yeah. They, we had. So was I tired during the legislature? Oh, absolutely. Gee, you'd go up there and stand on marble floors for hours and hours just to talk to somebody and gain another vote for a budget increase or do whatever you needed to do to convince people that your, your way was the right way. Um, and, and you had to believe it first or, or they were never going to believe it. So I had a, a supervisor early on. She has since passed. Her name was Judy Ann Buckmeyer. And I remember once I took a paper over to her and it was a proposal for an additional position in the division. And she read through it and asked questions. And she said, you don't really believe in this, do you? And I said, no, I really don't. Mm. And she says, who wrote it? And I told her that another staff person had wrote it. And she said, she threw it back across the table at me. And she says, don't bring anything over to me unless you believe in it. Oh. And that, that did a couple of things for me. I knew that she had confidence in me by doing that. And I knew that I better believe in what I proposed from here on out. Otherwise, I better not be supporting it. So, um, you know, she, she taught me a lot of lessons that way. But I always knew that she at the Capitol, you better be committed to what you're asking for. Because there's a lot of ups and downs in the process. Any favorite memories from your job, looking back? From my job, looking yeah. back? Oh, there's a lot of favorite memories. Um, I think I will always be proud of what we accomplished legislatively. Those were great things. Um, I love the legislature and the way government works, and I still love that today, and I will still be involved. Uh, my political points of view have changed a great deal over the years after you observe what happens in government. Um, I think working with uh, people in the legislative analyst office, there will always be fond memories of certain people there and what we were able to accomplish with them. I think that, you know, that there were great staff members at the division over the years who um, not only um, did their job, but worked hard to um, help others on, on staff uh, be successful and worked hard and worked far beyond their, uh, their hours of, that they were required to work in employment, worked far beyond their goals to assist blind people in being successful. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll have great, great respect always for those who would leave at, at early mornings and stay till late at night, helping out blind people who were really in trouble and really needed their help. Not that they did it for them, but they gave them, them the vehicles to be independent and be successful in the process. And I'll always have great respect for those folks. What was the, what do you think was the most or one of the most important lessons you learned from the job? One of the most important lessons I learned from the job. I learned that if you, if you're able to put the time and energy into something, that you can establish a successful program or one of your ideas can become um, a successful part of the process. That's what I learned. I learned that if you're, 
hey, if you're willing to put the time into a grant or a proposal or a writing project, you can eventually get that project through and, and it'll become a success. Um, I remember the first time we applied for an older blind grant, which used to be a competitive process in the older blind program, the state of Utah was turned down. And it was a competitive process, which was an absolute disaster because you were competing with your buddy in Oregon and mm. your buddy in Illinois oh, and God. people you had great respect for. And it became a competitive process. And I remember when we applied the second time around, we got the grant and people that had had it before in Oregon and Washington didn't get it. And they were extremely upset and didn't speak to me for six months, but that was okay. You had to get through things like that. And, and they finally became friends again. But that, it was a, you know, it was all a, a very competitive process. But I, I learned that second time around, the first time a guy wrote it for me that was on the USOR staff. The second time I wrote the grant myself and we got it funded. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying that I learned from that experience that if I put in the time and energy that I could accomplish the uh, program and get the grant funded. Yeah. Well, anything else before we close out? This Tara, this has just been a very enjoyable okay. experience, and I hope you're super successful with your podcast. I know you will be, and I know that a lot of people are going to listen to this nationwide, and they're going to gain, gain strength from the podcast that you perform. Well, I think there's a lot of value in letting people come and tell their stories. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. There's, there's, there's part three <laughs> that we recorded a few weeks ago. <laughs> so. Well, good. Thank you for joining us on Ability Stories. Please review this podcast in iTunes. To comment on this episode, please go to abilitystories.podbean.com. If you have any show ideas or would like to be a guest on Ability Stories, send an email to abilitystories at gmail.com. And thanks for listening. <laughs>